going to open episode 364 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Uno Taco Amigo. It's from the band Dos Tacos Amigos. It's from their self-titled album, which you can find at earhopper.bandcamp.com. Just look up Dos Tacos Amigos and let them know that you heard about them here on the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. Again, thanks to that band for letting me play their music. They're based out of San Francisco, California, and you're going to get to hear that song in its entirety at the end of this episode. Before we get to the end, there's all the stuff in the middle, and there is so much to get to this week. I am so excited to have Ron Adams joining me here on Monster Kid Radio. Ron is the man, the driving force, the one holding the torch, shining the light for all of us Monster Kid. I'm running out of uh, analogies and metaphors here. The bottom line is Ron Adams is an incredible Monster Kid who runs an incredible convention. He's the man that's created Monster Bash. He's got a small army these days helping him put on the best convention going, and I can't wait to, one, get to the bash, and two, share the conversation that I had with Ron with you guys and gals. We're going to play a round of the Classic Five. We're going to talk a little bit about what makes him do what he does, and of course, we're going to talk about this upcoming Monster Bash. You know, even if you're not going to this year's Monster Bash, and if you are, please make sure you look me up because I'd love to meet you, but even if you're not going, I'd like to think that this is still a fun conversation because it's just a couple of monster kids chit-chatting about all things monsters, the things that we love. Ron was a lot of fun to chat with, but that's not all we have in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. No, we've got some more feedback. Now, I had some feedback that I recorded with my wife, Brenda, last week that didn't make it into that show, so we're going to put it in this week's episode episode of the podcast. So you're going to hear some of that. And as kind of a bonus, a twist, you could say, I end up playing the classic five with her. You're also going to hear about a new poll, something that we're launching here on Monster Kid Radio. And actually, if you go back and listen to one of the episodes where I had Steve Turek on the show, we talked about this annual monster poll that we're going to be doing from now on. Every year, we're going to put the poll out to you to find out what your top 20 favorite monster movies are. I'm going to tell you about how you can participate in that poll in this episode as well. The poll runs until May 15th. And since we're talking about listener interaction and calls to action Have you voted in the Rondos yet? The Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. The ballot is still open for a few more days. If you haven't voted in the Rondos, please consider doing so. I've already told you who I'm going to vote for in previous episodes and on Facebook. But again, I think it goes without saying that we've got to get Riku Browning and Elvira into the Monster Kid Hall of Fame. So please consider writing their names down for the Monster Kid Hall of Fame this year if you haven't already voted. And if you have, thank you for participating. I mean, the Rondos are amazing. We are at the time of year now. Monster Bash is coming. The ballot for the Rondos is wrapping up. There's just a lot of incredible, cool things happening in the Monster Kidiverse. I want to share all of that with you, and that's going to happen right after this. Hidden within each of us is a secret desire to destroy. Each of us would like to be able to become the other being, to know the master makeup artist's magic. How to make a monster. Broadway stellar performer Robert H. Harris brings to this theater the most terrifying of men, a man whose mind is distorted by hatred. I'll use the very monsters they mock to bring them to an end. This maniacal strength will linger in your arms and hands. And with it, you'll destroy your real enemies. Exactly as I instruct you.
pending autopsy findings, I would say that he was attacked from behind by someone with fiendish strength. So what do we have to do? Look for a monster? We're not talking about actors. We mean a real monster. Behind the scenes in Hollywood's wonderland of make-believe where pretty girls parade their pulchritude, terror stalks with the stealthy steps of death. And death following death permeates the very air you breathe with horror. Mr. Monster Maker of Maveland sells his talents to the devil. I have a great honor to bestow upon you. I intend to add you two to my collection. You want your wall? As real as I can get them. See the master monster maker's chamber of horrors in color. How to make a monster. It's 1966. The space race is on. The Cold War is heating up. And giant monsters are destroying Japan. Dai Kaiju Attack. The serialized giant monster story. Presented free every week on DaikaijuAttack.com and SDSullivan.com. Become a member of the Daikaiju Attack group on Facebook. Join the action today. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Expecting us? Join this international trio in a real-gone interworld escapade. Have you ever seen a head pursued by a body? No, sir. Well, I have. It's horrible. Sir, would you mind pausing just the way you are? Come on, let's get out of here. I forbid you to You forbid all you like. You can't scare me. I'm leaving now. When this cool cat gets ghost-frozen stiff, this hepcat moves in to make time. But a ghostly chaperone breaks it up. Don't, Charles, don't! Help yourself to a castle full of fear-filled fun. Look out! An unbelievable adventure into the realm of the unreal. Headless Ghost, he's your host. Enjoy the carnal pleasures of people long gone. Kid Radio listeners, 
Skype didn't want to play ball this morning, but but we figured it out. We're going to make sure that we have Ron Adams, the hardest working Monster Kid I know, on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thanks very much, Derek. And, and you say hardest working as I sit here with my feet up and just staring at my Aurora monster, uh, Frankenstein monster against the window ledge here. So I was just hanging out, listening to uh, Monster Kid Radio. You know, Ron, nobody can see you. This is a, an audio thing. You, you could have at least pretended to be working here. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually have been working since 4 a.m. this morning. That's my mode of operation now. I get up at 4, and I'm usually working by 4.20. So it's, yeah, just nonstop monsters. Uh, and, and I can say that because I've seen you in person at the Monster Bash. I never see you standing still. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like a, a blur, a flash, like some sort of superhero that doesn't need sleep. It's it's crazy. I'm just trying to hide. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, it's 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 fun. Monster Bash, it's coming. We are what about three months out? Too close. Oh man, it's so much more to do. But yeah, it'll it'll all come together as it always does. But yeah, it's revving up. So I've been twice, once a couple of years ago, and then this past year I was there as well. And I got to tell you, Ron, I, I've done a handful of conventions, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest area, some things in the middle of the country. Monster Bash is it. It is Mecca. It is ground zero for this kind of stuff. I, I got to tell you, and I'm laying it on pretty thick, I know, but <laughs> I love the Bash so much. I mean, you've done an incredible job creating this behemoth of a convention in a good time yeah how much did, how much did, how much did i have to paypal you <laughs> i'll send you a bill later <laughs> what, <laughs> what keeps you going keeps i mean you're growing the show now you've got two shows a year happening what what keeps the fire going for you it's just growing up loving this stuff i mean you know heck since uh, it's the, there's no reason other than the fact that it's just branded in me to do monster stuff any avenue i can find i just love classic monsters and old horror and sci-fi and that's what we focus on is it's just the old classics uh you know from the silent era up to about the 1970s we just totally zoom in on that uh that whole genre and that's that's what i've loved and that's why i do it well you do it well sir you do it well oh, thank you one thing that we do here on Monster Kid Radio, and I don't know if we've done this with you before, because we had you on the show last year to promote Monster Bash, and I think I've had you on the show maybe once or twice. Have we ever played a game called the Classic Five with you? Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> but go, okay. let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so we have a game that we have here called the Classic Five, and for listeners who don't know, it's a card game. I've got a deck of cards here. Each card has a this or that, yes or no style question about classic monster movies. It's designed to let our listeners learn a little bit about our guests. There are no wrong answers, and I'd love to play a round of the Classic Five with you, sir. Are you ready? Uh, i got to get my old maid monster cards here first so I can play over here. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Giving you one more shuffle here, and uh, this is uh, the first card right off the top. Ron Adams, if you had to pick one, Bert I. Gordon or Roger Corman? Uh, well, Bert, because I, I love the guy. Uh, Roger's done a lot, but Bert just, you know, when I was a kid seeing those grasshoppers crawling up the postcard of a city, man, I fell in love with that stuff. <laughs> and the Colossal Beast, uh, I mean, I think more of his monsters, Bert Eyes monsters, at least from the 50s films, attached themselves to me more. And one of my favorite kids' movies, Bert did, which is The Boy and the Pirates, which has a fantasy element to it. And also, Bert was tied in with my uh, my good late friend, Charlie Herbert, 
and late Susan Gordon as well. So, I mean, there's a whole like family thing going with, uh, with me and, and, and the Gordons and they're just great people. Roger Corman, his films, I love them. They're fun, but they just don't have the personal attachment, uh, that, that Bert's films have with me. But, uh, you know, I mean, you can't turn away from the teenage, uh, uh, you know, all those teenage movies that Roger did for the drive-in circuits. But I love Bert and, and everything that he's done. Um, that, that 50s stuff was, was great. Oh, Magic Sword, too. I, I, was, I love that movie. I saw that movie in a kitty matinee in the uh, mid-60s. So it wasn't a new release. It was a reissue for the kitty matinee. And I saw that when I was maybe six years old. So talk about an impressionable time to see a, a Burt Gordon movie, The Magic Sword, with Rathbone and that dragon and everything in it. Uh, that scary scene with the witch, which is really vampire wearing a mask. And so that, that stuff's great. Sorry, I'm rambling. I'm rambling. Sorry. <laughs> no, hey man, that's what this is. This is what this is about. Uh, you mentioned uh, Charles Herbert. One of my favorite Monster Bash memories uh, involves him because the first year that I went, he was having breakfast with somebody, and I was having breakfast on you know, separate tables. I was sitting there because my uh, by myself because you know, my friends hadn't gotten around to getting up yet, and and he uh, just randomly engaged me in conversation and it's like hey you look familiar it's like i don't know where from but uh you look familiar too and, and you know it turned into a conversation <laughs> uh and, and it was wonderful and uh uh he was a great he was a great great guy and uh so sad that uh you know he finally got back on his feet after you know decades of drug abuse he got back on his feet and was doing the convention uh, circuit and, uh, and, and he would, he became a really good friend. He he was living in Las Vegas, but he would call me all the time out of the blue because we were both Pittsburgh Pirates fans. He was a sports fan in general, but, uh, he would call me up and, and talk about the Pirates game. And my last conversation with him, which was about a week before he passed away, he called me up and he goes, I can't believe I can't remember the name of this movie. I'm just watching it. It's got Lugosi and Karloff in it. Uh, he, oh, he told me about two sentences and I'm like, it's the black cat from 34. He goes, Oh yeah, I love that movie. And that was one of my last conversations with him was about the black cat. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. He was a, he was a great guy. Yeah. Good, good guy. Just my limited interaction with him. Yeah. All right. Uh, card number two. Oh boy. I don't know how I'd answer this one. It's good thing I'm not playing the game. Which movie do you prefer, Ron? King Kong or Godzilla? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually it's actually not that hard for me. Godzilla has such a huge following, and they're lots of fun. But King Kong steals my heart from top to bottom. At least the 1933 Kong. We're millionaires, boys. I'll share it with all of you. Why, in a few months, it'll be up in lights on Broadway. Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. movies were made. Adventure to make you wonder if it's true while your eyes convince you that it is. Truly the thrill of thrills. 
Don't miss it this time. Uh, again, it's something I grew up with. I love it. The acting in it, of course, the landmark uh, Willis O'Brien animation, and the, uh, just the, I just love Kong. The whole feel of it. I, it might be the most watched movie I've ever, you know, I've ever seen. I've probably seen it more than any other film. And uh, it's just great. I, I love Kong. Godzilla films are fun. I, I love to watch them, but Kong it goes beyond fun. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, there's so much heart in it. Like I said, no wrong answers. So, no, you don't. <laughs> uh oh, it sounds like in your head you're hitting a buzzer on me. Uh oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying I'm not going to let Godzilla know that you just picked King Kong. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> look, I can see it coming through. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, I had a chance to see King Kong uh, in the theater here uh, earlier this year. Ooh, the 33 version. Yeah, yeah. And they oh. brought in a print, a 35 millimeter print of it. And it was amazing to see again on the big screen. And uh, when it was over, I had seen that uh, a bunch of people had actually trickled into the movie theater during like the last half that were, they were just waiting to get a seat for the next film that the film center was showing. And, uh, they were all in awe and I could hear them talking about how they had forgotten how beautiful the movie was, not just as a monster movie, but just as a, a piece of classic cinema. And yeah. it's, it's a beautiful film. Oh, it is. Yeah, it really is. All right. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Going from a beautiful film to this card. Uh, what's your favorite? <laughs> I, mean, I can't even do it with a straight face. What's your favorite Ray Kellogg film, the giant Gila monsters or the killer shrews? <laughs> oh, well, you know, believe it or not, it is the killer shrews. Okay. The cold, glossy pages of True Magazine call the killer shrew the world's most savage mammal. You'll never venture into a forest alone after you see The Killer Shrews with James Best and Ingrid Good, motion picture horror masterpiece. The Killer Shrews. I actually really like both those movies, and I think I've said in the description about Monster Bash that we celebrate movies the whole genre, whether it's Bride of Frankenstein or the giant Gila monster. It's not to me. Those aren't, neither of those movies are bad movies because they're not boring to me. A bad movie yes. is just dull and mind numbing like Mano's hand of fate. That, that, that hurts me, but, um, Oh no, man. But, uh, but <laughs> I you, like Mano's, Come uh, on. <laughs> but it just, you know, that word, there was 20 minutes in a room with paneling, and two people talking in a stagnant shot that just really gets to me. <laughs> but <laughs> giant, uh, giant uh, Gila monster and killer shrews, I think are both really fun movies. I like killer shrews better. I think <laughs> I just love those little, uh, it's like the, the evil chihuahuas, you know, these poor little dogs that have, uh, <laughs> have their, uh, the, the, the little shag rugs and teeth on them. And the puppets that they use in that film where they're pushing through the wall are just hysterical. I love it. You know, it might not be, classic cinema but it sure is fun and giant hill monsters the same way because you got a song uh, by don sullivan uh, a couple of them but i really feel bad for the poor lizard that they're shoving through that cardboard wall uh this poor head getting shoved through there you feel like all oh, that poor lizard but uh <laughs> but I, I i like them both they're both fun but i i would go with killer shrews Okay. Yeah, I I was not judging the films, just they're a little different in terms of their uh, production <laughs> yeah, value yeah. when it comes to King Kong. Yeah, you, um, you wouldn't. No, I, I you, love them too. You, you wouldn't think that James Whale directed one of them. But yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. What would a James Whale Killer Shrews movie look oh like? Oh, my that, goodness. That's, and, 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 you wow. know, probably all the Shrews would look like Ernest Thessinger. <laughs> all right, card number four. What's your favorite Jack Arnold film? Oh, man. Uh, 
they're all always good. Uh, I'll probably, you know, just have to default to, well, yeah, I'm going to default <laughs> to Creature from the Black Lagoon, I guess. Just, to, you know, I, I love I, I love all that 50s glossy universal stuff, uh, the 50s sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff. But, uh, you know, Creature's Creature. No! Sheer stark terror grips you in underwater 3D in Creature from the Black Lagoon. The most terrifying monster of the ages rises from the sea, raging with pent-up passions. Making every man his mortal enemy, every woman's beauty his prey. Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D, starring Richard Carlson and Julie Adams. Every horrifying scene leaps out of the screen right at you. A universal re-release rated G. Yeah, you're not going to get any argument or, or anything from me. That's my favorite film of all time. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love it's, Creature it's, it's, it's so just much. It's a great, great film. Just, and, it, and Jack Arnold films all have that real real nice gloss. You know, they really just mm-hmm. they, they hum. Uh, all those fifty sci-fi Arnold films. You don't even mind the little mini science lesson he sneaks in. I mean, it's 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 wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of it being kind of kind of dubious science, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and yeah, now Creature's my favorite film, and uh, it was actually at your show that I met Julie Adams for the first time. And, oh uh, yeah. Man, it was what she's such a sweetheart. Oh and, uh, yeah. I, I probably. Probably lost about twenty pounds and like nervous sweat just waiting to talk to her because I was just because uh, you know I call her my fifties girlfriend because I just I love her. <laughs> hey, we can't go wrong with that white bathing suit. Well, uh, hey, you know, just saying. All right, final card of the classic five. What character from a classic monster movie would you want to get stuck in an elevator with? <laughs> I know a lot I wouldn't want to get stuck in an elevator with. Um, That's a different card. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be Larry Talbot. He would be a, uh, a favorite character of mine, but I sure as heck wouldn't want to be stuck in an elevator uh, during a full moon <laughs> with Larry <Right>. Talbot. Um, <laughs> well, you know, when he's not dangerous, probably Dynamo Dan, thinking of Lon Chaney Jr. What a nice, fun guy uh, from Man-Made Monster. He's just a jovial, fun kind of guy, you know. Uh, that'd be a yeah, good one. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, if you you know, and I forget her character's name right now, but uh, Helen Mack from uh, Son of Kong, just because I think Helen Mack was uh, was a mighty pretty girl back in the 1940s, but uh, <laughs> 30s and 40s. So, but yeah, I, I, I guess Dan, Dynamo Dan would probably probably okay. be it. Yeah, before he he becomes. Uh, radioactive and killing everybody. You know, I don't think I've talked about man-made monster here on the show. I should do that here soon. It's a fun little movie. I like that. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. You know, it is pre wolf man. It's, it was kind of like uh, universal's test for Cheney jr. Well, that was the classic five. How do you feel Ron? <sighs> Give me five more. Do you really want five more? <laughs> it's up to you. I just said, it doesn't, <laughs> I, I love, you know, cause it, it's, it's a nice, nice thing because you can then just talk about different, you know, zone in on little, uh, little things and mm-hmm. expand upon them. So I'm planning on bringing the deck with me to uh, monster bash. Cool. So we'll be able to play the classic five with anybody who comes by the table. Okay. Uh, and there are actually plans afoot to maybe have some decks available for sale. So we should have, Plenty of time and, and plenty of opportunity to play the Classic Five at the Monster Bash. So let's make a few minutes to do that, if, if, you, if you can, while you're there. Yeah, and if, if you're unfamiliar with Monster Bash or you're coming to Bash, you won't be able to miss uh, Derek and Monster Kid Radio. Right before you get to registration, 
Uh, you'll see the, the tables there, and uh, you can hang out with uh, Monster Kid Radio at Monster Bash. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a blast at the bash. What can people look forward to? I mean, outside of, and I appreciate the promotion, but outside of Monster Kid Radio, there's a, there's a lot more, a lot bigger, better things to do at bash than just hang out with some goofy guy with a microphone. Victoria <laughs> Price is going to be there. Yeah, yeah, Victoria, she's she's great. She's such an interesting human being. You know, when I first had her, I think this will be our third or third time, I think, that we've had Victoria. But, you know, I asked her, I mean, originally, you know, well, how do you want to, what airport do you want to fly out of? She prefers driving small country roads all the way from wherever she's at. Mm -hmm. And if you look on her blog or whatever, Victoria Price, she just loves finding her way through the back roads of America. And it's just so, that's, I think that's really cool. So she's just a really interesting person. And of course, uh, uh, if you don't mind me kind of like sidestepping here for a second, uh, her dad, Vincent Price, is one of the few classic actors, in fact, probably the only of the, the biggies that I ever met. And uh, it was really kind of a cool little scenario. My grandfather was a manager at Grove City College, and Vincent Price was coming in to do his uh, lecture tour. And I was at the time 13 years old, and he called me and said, because he knew I love monster stuff and horror movies. He says, Vincent Price is coming. I can get you in if you want. We can go to the after party after his talk. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, wow. My grandfather and I went, uh, it was at a place called Crawford Hall on Grove City campus in Pennsylvania. And uh, after the, it was a, I just love, was totally riveted by his talk. He's such a, was such a great speaker. And afterwards, my grandfather took me backstage where they were having a get together now, uh, he was mainly, Vincent Price was there promoting uh, a recent book he had written. Uh, well, I think it was a cookbook, one of the cookbooks he wrote. And he's talking to all these you know, professors from the college and, and uh, students. Uh, and here I am, this little 13-year-old kid. And my grandfather says, go up, go up and meet him. And, you know, there's kind of a crowd around him. He was talking to someone in a suit. I'm like, I don't want to bother him. And my grandfather pushed me. He said, go, just, just, just go say hello. So I went up and I tapped on him on his back. Now, keep in mind, Vincent Price was very tall. Uh, I'm not sure what people can look it up. He was probably 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and here I am, a 13-year-old, probably at about 5'3". And he turns around and then looks down at me. Instead of talking to me, or talking to me like looking down at me, he actually crouched down, uh, hunched down on his oh. knees so he could look eye to eye with me. I thought that was so cool and so personal. And I told Victoria, his daughter, this uh, when I first met her. And she said, that's the way dad was. And what I said to him was something like, man, I loved you in House on Haunted Hill and the Tingler. And here he has been talking to all these college professors. And he looked at me and he says, you know, man, I really had fun making those movies and I really appreciate it. And he, he shook my hand all the time, looking eye to eye, my level, which I thought that's class. What a classy guy. That's amazing, Ron. That's so cool. Wow. So, yeah, that was, that was my, uh, my brush with one of the great ones. I've heard nothing but nice about the man. I, you know, obviously, I, I never had a chance to meet any of these people. And I, I've heard that he was just a warm, genuine, friendly, approachable guy. And I, if I would have known, I've read on the Internet that, he, you know, if you wrote him, he actually would save all of his fan letters and he would try to write everybody back and even draw little drawings 
to, and you know, so many people have little portraits that he would do of himself with his signature. And if I only would have known that or found the address when I was a kid, man, I would have loved to have uh, gotten a, a personal autograph from it. Wow, that's amazing. And I've met Victoria Price at a convention here in Portland a few years ago and, and had her on the show. And she's also very, very cool, very approachable, loves to talk about her dad and just being part of it, you know, and she's she's a really wonderful person. I'm glad that she's going to be there. I'm looking forward to meeting up with her again. And just, do you know what kind of a talk or presentation she's going to be giving this time around? Will it be about her book or? Yeah, she's going to do another PowerPoint presentation, which she has done twice before at Bash. And, you know, and she always adds to it. So it's always kind of a expanding and, and changing. But she is a great speaker, just like her dad was a great speaker. I mean, it's not only she talked about her dad and growing up with her dad and you see all kinds of family pictures, but she actually makes it inspirational so that you actually feel good about life. She's really a phenomenal speaker. So that's, it's a real treat. And uh, I believe it's going to be Saturday night at Bash that she'll be doing her PowerPoint presentation. That's fantastic. I'm halfway through her new book right now, The Way of Being Lost. And you said that she's the kind of person who wants to drive the back roads to get there. I, I totally believe that. Just in my interactions with her and her book and, and, and following her blog. That's amazing. That's really neat. Yeah, pretty neat. Yeah, but she's not the only person that's going to be there. We, we've got so much happening at the Bash this year. Uh, the Bowery Boys. We're doing a focus on the Bowery Boys this year. Yeah, yeah. And um, Leo Gorsi's daughter Brandy is going to be there, which is really cool. She's going to bring uh, scrapbooks of her dad's and uh, a lot of personal items, letters, and she has had bronze. Believe it or not, his hat, the the main hat that he wore for many years that he would always hit hunts hall with and um she's bringing that so you can you can check that out when you're there and um she's going to bring a lot of photos which would be just really great to to see some you know behind the scenes stuff from the bowery boys east side kids wow so i i have to be honest i have a confession i have to make here ron uh please don't take away my monster kid card but uh <laughs> i think i've seen maybe one bowery boys movie and that's it oh yeah well you know I grew up seeing them. They were usually Sunday afternoons on the New York channels that I would I would get when I was a kid. Uh, even though I was in Pennsylvania, I could pick up three of the uh, New York channels. And there's East Side Kids and Bowery Boys mainly. They probably the most of the films were under those monikers. Uh, but they also had you know the little tough guys, and there were some other uh, names that they the factions went under. You know, the, the Bowery Boys slash East Side Kids, you know, they're irreverent. They started as teenagers, and the, the films lasted so long. They were in their 40s before the film stopped. Oh, wow. uh, but they're just irreverent New Yorkers in funny situations and sometimes touching. And they got to meet uh, the monsters at one point. In fact, a couple of movies, there's like spooky houses and and creepy people and monsters. And then Lugosi, of course, twice and Spooks uh, Run Wild and Ghost on the Loose. It's one of those two that I've seen, them interacting with Legosi. I, I can't remember which one, though. It sounds like I've got uh, some catch-up to do before the bash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you got to check out some of the Bowery Boys. One that's good that no one really knows about because it doesn't sound scary from the title is The Boys of the City. And it's kind of a spooky house one that's real creepy and has a lot of uh, character actors you'll recognize from horror movies in it. No monster, but it's it's a spooky kind of ghost one. It's called The Boys of the City, and that's a good one. 
I'll have to check that out, track it down, and say that. Yeah, I'm I'm always looking because you know I don't have enough movies to watch. I'm always looking for something. <laughs> That's yeah, so all not us true. monster kids. You know, we 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 only have like five thousand movies, but we need more. <laughs> right? What what is it about us being collectors like that? We hoard these things, right? <laughs> but we love them. We love them. There's no judgment here, man. Yeah. I love I love this stuff so much. So the Bowery Boys, we got Victoria Price. Who else is going to beat the Bash? Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Joyce Me- Joyce Meadows uh, is is. I, don't know. I was really, <laughs> I was really happy to get Joyce Meadows. Now, not to be confused with uh, the Jack- Jackie Gleason Audrey Meadows. Uh, Joyce uh, is was a co-star with John Agar in The Brain from Planet Eris, which that's now that is a fun 1950s favorite of mine. Oh, it's a great uh, film. Was, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, I mean, that alone. And then she was also, she was in Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and she's in, you know, Suspense Theater. And William Castle's I Saw What You Did, she's in that too. So um, I'm really looking forward to meeting her. In fact, that's one of my, my little uh, errands today is to get uh, airfare taken care of for Joyce. So I'll be doing that later this afternoon. Right on. Uh, and if you want to talk about guest Janina Fay, I met her at the uh, Chiller Theater Convention in New Jersey. And uh, she's a little girl from Horror of Dracula, and she's also in The Day of the Triffids, uh, Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll, uh, Hands of Orlac, and a lot more. Uh, but she is such a nice, she really impressed me, just being a super nice person and really great with the fans, with uh, talking to people and sharing memories of Peter Cushing. So I was really happy to get her, and she's going to, you know, she's kind of our, our hammer element to this year's uh, Monster Bash, this June's Bash, uh, so she'll be a treat. Right on. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to meeting it's almost everybody here. I've never had a chance to interact with. Like I said, I've met Victoria Price, but to talk to somebody who actually worked with John Agar or or Peter Cushing, I mean, that's that's one step removed from some of these icons, you know, for me. <laughs> so that that's I'm looking forward to that. What about Sharon Moffat? Have you met Sharon Moffat? Before? I have not. Now she was in The Body Snatcher with Karloff and Lugosi, right? Yeah, she has got a great background story. You know, she was a uh, a regular studio actor. Uh, in the 1940s, she was a stock player. She was just in whatever they wanted to put her in. And she was in things with like Cary Grant's Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House, as well as The Body Snatcher and The Falcon in San Francisco, which is the Tom Conway series. Uh, but uh, she has got such an interesting backstory. She was a child actor in the 40s. And then her parents moved and, and she left Hollywood when she was, you know, uh, 13, 14, and that's probably saved her. As you know, a lot of kid actors end up, you know, having a rough time making the transition. Yeah. So she was just a kid actor, but her life, yeah, I, I'll have to tell you this story backwards so it gets the full effect. Okay. I was getting her brother, who was also a kid actor, Greg Moffat from Monster Bash a few years ago, and I was talking to him. And I said, what about your sister? And he goes, she never does shows. She doesn't like to even discuss her old Hollywood days. And I said, oh, is there any way we can get her to come to since you're coming to Monster Bash? He said, well, I'll give you your phone number. You can try, but she, she probably has no interest. And uh, so then I, I, I called her and I said, uh, you know, I, I, I said, well, do you, uh, you want to come to Monster Bash? And she said, well, I'm really involved in church work now. And I really have, don't have, I'm a little... And, you know, not sure about 
doing a monster autograph type show. And, you know, I told her, well, we're kind of like the Disney of monster shows. You know, we focus on older <laughs> films. And she basically said no, but very pleasantly. So I called her back and I said, you're doing church work. And she says she, she was a, um, I believe she herself was, was a minister for many years uh, at, at her church. And uh, she's retired, but still lives at the church property. And I said, what if I donate? Uh, money to the church. And she goes, okay, I'm in. <laughs> so that was, that's what wow. did it. Uh, so then she's in and I said, okay, are, are you going to fly out of the same airport that you're, I can get you and your brother on the same flight? Cause he's out of LAX in LA, I believe is where he was out of. And she goes, Oh no, I'm, I'm in the Pittsburgh area. I said, what? She goes, yeah, I live about 10 minutes from your convention. <laughs> And well, that blew me away. Uh, I, I heard that she had briefly been in Pittsburgh, but I didn't think she was still there. I thought she was back out in L.A. So we just went and picked her up. <laughs> there was no airfare involved. She's very local to Monster Bash, which is kind of neat. That is really cool. Right on. So we've got her. We've got, man, this is going to be a fun show. I, I'm looking while we're chatting here. I've got monsterbashnews.com up here on my computer screen and just, just kind of scrolling through. I'm seeing some old favorites. You know, Chris Yeaworth is going to be there. Wes Shank and the, it's going to have a piece of the blob, uh, which is just awesome that a piece of the blob still exists and makes the convention <laughs> it's, it's circuit. A, it's a, it's a big, in a big, uh, kind of like a 10 gallon container. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully it won't get loose again. So. One can hope. <laughs> yeah. We have fire extinguishers in the hotel, so we're ready. Just, we're just in case. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it looks like Don Reese is going to be doing another set. Don Reese, if people haven't heard Don Reese or seen Don Reese perform, uh, he's a comedian. He's a monster kid. He mixes the two, and he's hilarious. Oh, yeah. So you've you've seen him, right, Derek? At, yes. At, at oh, yeah. uh, as he says, he has to alter his comedy show for Bash because he grew up this way, and he can finally use jokes that that we get because if he tried some of these jokes, you know, in a regular club comedy club somewhere, people would just not get it. I mean, he does John Agar jokes. He does jokes about uh, classic serials and uh, yelping of Japanese Godzilla movies. I mean, he's just hysterical. I mean, and he, he really strikes a chord. If you grew up with monster movies, you'll get his, his humor. And it's so, he's so funny. It just makes it great. That that's really cool. I've never actually like met him, but I've seen him perform uh, both at the Bash and then on some of the Bash DVDs from previous conventions that are available on your website. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so people can check those out. Uh, little plug there. Uh, well, so yeah, he, he's he's great. And there are some people that are coming this year that I was hoping to meet last time around. I've met them before. Uh, looks like Tom Weaver and Greg Manker are in this time around. Yeah, last year, uh, things came. Greg was uh, acting last year. He was playing uh, Captain Hook in Peter Pan um, in, oh, wow. in a play, uh, you know, professional play. And uh, Tom Tom had a transportation problem last year, but the, he's in this year. He'll be doing his quiz. Have you ever been at a bash where he does his quiz show? Yes, I have. Yeah, it was a okay. very rapid fire. Uh, it is. People it up is, on the stage and just boom, boom, of the man. You got to yeah. know your movies, and it's it is rapid fire, as you say. I mean, it is like blam, 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 and uh, and then we go creepy classics. My business with us put together a big prize package, so whoever wins gets this huge 
prize package of you know maybe four or five hundred dollars worth of cool stuff. So uh, it's worth it. But man, he will put you through the ropes on on uh, classic horror trivia. Absolutely. Yeah, I was playing along in the audience, and I, I think I made it maybe a good ten minutes in before I was like, "Okay, I'm out. I got nothing. I have no idea." <laughs> you know, just kind of playing along, sitting in my just glad I was in the audience and not on stage and embarrassing myself at that point. <laughs> yeah, he, he has some tough ones, tough questions. He, yeah, he does. And then uh, another writer that's there who is a friend of Monster Kid Radio who won an award last year. Frank Delostrito is going to be there, and he's doing a presentation as well. Uh, his presentation on Return of the Vampire last year was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved that. He digs and gets great information, and he makes it very entertaining. He always tries to make it interactive, his talk with the with the audience, mm-hmm. and it's, it's always fun, lots of fun. What blew me away last year when he did the Return of the Vampire talk is he said it was okay if I recorded it and put it on the show, and my microphone failed. My recording gear ran out of batteries, and that's, that's my bad. You know. But I told him, and he's like, oh, man, well, I guess I'll just have to come up to your room and do it there. Okay, then. So he came up to the room, and it blew my mind. The guy's talking for a good 45 minutes or so. He didn't have to look at any notes. The thing was memorized and committed to memory. Half the time, he's just sitting there reading into the microphone with his eyes closed, like it's the most natural thing in the world to be spouting this off about these movies. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, he, and, and I, he is terrific, oh. yeah. Do you, do you know what he's talking about this time around? Has he told you? Yeah, he's doing uh, Ghost of Frankenstein. It, a lot of our, our guests are doing some kind of tie-in, a lot of the events, with the 200 years of, of Frankenstein. And so he's doing uh, a talk on Ghost of Frankenstein this time. So that'll be that'll be a treat. I'm sure it will be. He said he's uh, found out all kinds of cool background information, and I'm sure he'll relate it in a very entertaining fashion. Well, I'm looking forward to that. His book, A Werewolf Remembers, is by far one of my favorite books that I read last year. Uh, it, it's a, so, oh gosh, so good. Oh yeah. For people that don't know, it's, uh, it's, he really took uh, the movies that we love and made it like a real history. And it's, it's just fun and just, it's just uh, amazing the research and, and tying everything together. He did such a great job. And the photos are hysterical because he used photos of perhaps other films or, or actual personal photos and morphed them into this whole history that he created. It's pretty, pretty neat. And uh, I put it on the holiday gift guide here on Monster Kid Radio last year. It's up for a Rondo Award this year. It's, it's just phenomenal. And I can't wait to hear him talk about Ghost of Frankenstein. And what else are we missing here? I mean, I know there's so much going on and people are definitely going to want to check out the website. There's the regular things that are probably the most popular events that we do over and over again because people love them. Okay. I'll just mention them briefly. They don't really involve the, the, the guest stars, but there's the drive-in on Saturday night where we do a, a movie outside on a big uh, screen. Uh, our projectionist. Jeffrey does it. Oh, it's that was so cool. <laughs> as long as the weather permits, we do it outside. And most of the time we've been lucky. I mean, a couple of times it's rained and we had to do it inside, but there's a lawn out front of the, the hotel and we do, we erect a giant screen out there. And then Saturday night, because most of us spend the whole convention inside the hotel. Cause there's so much going on. You don't want to leave. So it's nice to have something going on outside to give you a breath of fresh air. And then the other regular things, Friday night, we do Mexican Monster Night, where we run uh, a Mexican monster movie and, and pass out a free tacos and burritos to everyone there. I mean, there's hundreds of tacos and burritos going out, so uh, that's a lot of fun. 
And Saturday night, it's kind of like three things in a row. Boom, boom, boom. We do the Monster Bash Awards, which we, we pass out generally three to five a year. of, uh, And they're lifetime things. It's not like for any particular thing. The main gist of the Monster Bash Award is anyone, someone that has given their all to help keep the classic monster movies alive, whether it's artwork, whether it's writing, whether it's doing conventions, whether it's whatever it is uh, that they do, sharing their love with in, in one way or another with these movies to, to help perpetuate uh, the love of classic movies. And then we do is the Festival of the New Wine from Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, where one of our staffers, Bob Pellegrino, <laughs> uh, sings the Festival of the New Wine with the film playing in the background, the crowd singing along. You've got like 500 people all singing the Festival of the New Wine song, and it's just it just is the spirit is unbelievable in the room. I mean, it is just like classic monster heaven. And, and then immediately following that, we do the free prize toss, which uh, myself and some of the other vendors uh, donate uh, literally a couple thousand dollars worth of goodies from little things like, you know, old monster pencil toppers to Blu-rays to, to books. And we do, it's the free prize toss. So you have to, we, I always preface, if you don't want to get hit by something, leave the room because you probably will get hit. We have the whole staff on stage. There's like 20 of us or, or more throwing free stuff to the crowd. And uh, I mean, the stuff is just going fast and furious. Blu-rays and DVDs and books and magazines and uh, all monster stuff. Uh, so that's a real real crowd pleaser every, uh, every, every monster bash. The prize toss is just... It's like this perfect way to kind of cap off all this ner all this energy that's been building <laughs> up, you know. And then we do the song, and then the staff gets to throw things at people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ouch! Oh, it's a Blu-ray. Thanks. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't have this movie yet. Yeah, uh, the Festival of the New Wine is. I mean, it's the song from Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, and when he got up and, and led the song last year. He was wearing lederhosen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was that's amazing. Oh, he had re he had refrained from doing that for years, and we had all said, "You got to do it. You got to do it." And he would never ever do it. Oh. And uh, my wife had, and it was probably the biggest instigator of trying to get him to do that. And then I said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna find a way to make this happen." So I went out and bought the the wardrobe. And then another staffer and myself, Mike Adams, uh, not related, but uh, another staffer, Mike had a key to the room because he was sharing a room with Bob Pellegrino at Bash. So he got us in when Bob was in the room, and we laid out the Lederhosen outfit on Bob's bed, just as if it was a person laying there, put his shoes on, the, you know, spare pair of his shoes on the bottom of it. <laughs> we had his hand holding like a beer can or something. And, you know, so he walked into his room then seeing the whole leader house and out outfit looking like someone laying in his bed. And luckily he felt obligated at that point to do it. And uh, it happened. So we actually had him in like old German clothing, just like in the, in the movie singing festival of the new wine. It, it's so much fun. I mean, to have us all there singing along, I actually, uh, held my recorder up in the air last year and just recorded it. And, and I have it on my computer now. And every once in a while I play it, just put it into rotation with the rest of the music I listen to because it's just so much fun. Yeah, it really it captures that whole spirit of Bash. So which is It fun. does. Yeah. What movie will you be showing out on the lawn? 
this year? Do you know yet? You know, someone else just asked me that the other day. They, uh, they, and and I haven't gotten to that point in the schedule yet. It's probably okay. going to be something uh, to do with one of the themes. Uh, I just haven't gotten there yet, and I got to see what's available. Okay. Uh, so, but it'll be something fun, and it's usually we try to select stuff that's that would be a drive-in movie and not necessarily, you know, like an old silent film or something too new or, sure. you know, it would try to make it what would be in the, the height of the drive-in era. So probably something from the 1950s or early 60s. It'll, it'll be fun though, regardless of what it is, it'll be fun. I think How to Make a Monster is what you showed last year, which is just a, a lot of fun. It's right in that era. It's right there in that sweet spot. And we had both stars there. We had both monsters. Yes. Gary Clark and Gary Conway. Who were amazing on stage. <laughs> they were crazy. Their chemistry, their back and forth was just fantastic. And they really hadn't engaged in, in see, talking to each other since that movie. So it was, it was amazing how they clicked. It was really great. It is very, very neat. You know, I look forward to Monster Bash uh, every year. Now, now that I'm going to try to make this a regular thing uh, where I go every year. I, I just, I can't wait. I'm counting down. I was looking at the calendar yesterday and trying to figure out how many paychecks I have between now and then, because I know I'm going to be picking up some merch and, you know, just, <laughs> it's just, I'm looking forward to it uh, so much. When, when people walk into our dealer room for the first time, if you're a classic monster fan, your eyes like pop out because it's like, here are, here are like hundred, a couple hundred tables of nothing but everything you want in your, your house, you know, it's like models and vintage stuff and then new stuff too. You see Mobius models and DVDs and Blu-rays. And then there's uh, Mike Pierce from monsters among us with every magazine you've ever you know seen of classic monster magazines. It's just like great stuff, all kinds of things. If I can offer a word of advice to any listeners, when you get to the dealer room and you're doing that first loop and you're like, Oh, I'm just looking to see what's there. Don't, don't pass something up because I did that last year and I missed out on picking up an action figure from it, the terror from beyond space. I'm so bummed because uh. there was a guy that had three of them and they were really cheap. And I thought, you know what? I would love to get this for myself and a friend of mine. I'm going to come back later on gone. I mean, that's a busy yeah. hopping room. So get in that dealer room and check that stuff out. There's some wonderful vendors in there. Yes. And if you see something, it seems like a good deal. You know, like, like you're saying, Derek, grab it because uh, there's, there's 2,000 other people just like you going to be going through there pretty quickly. And uh, and we're, it's not like you're in a store somewhere and someone's not going to pick up an It to Tear from Beyond the Space doll or action figure at a, at a Spencer's. But you're at Monster Bash where everybody is like, you or like us. I mean, we're all, all, we all grew up with this stuff. We all want the same stuff. <laughs> we do. We do. And there's a lot there. Uh, the magazines, the movie posters, lobby cards, DVDs, movies, shirts. Terry from That's Terrific will be there. And she, you know, friend of the show, she's great. Oh, wow. She, she is doing those awesome shirts. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, custom shirts. And uh, yeah, she, she's been a fairly new vendor at Bash, I think two years now. But wow, she's become a fan favorite because her stuff is just so cool. Yeah, and and so and she's good. a she's a sweetheart. I love chatting with her. So oh yeah, it's, it's really great to see her yeah, again. And, yeah, you know, I could probably just go on and on and on about all the people that I'm planning on seeing there. But I know I'm going to forget somebody, and 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 I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But go over to monsterbashnews.com. That that's ground central for it, right? The actual mother 
website is creepyclassics.com and you can jump to the news page from the top or you can jump to any of the the three monster bashes this year we have two regular bashes and then one another one at the palace theater oh, wow. in august which will be the godzilla thing that we're doing in, at the palace theater in canton ohio which is a giant grand old movie palace oh wow so but yeah creepyclassics.com or yeah, if you want the latest it, that's changed every single weekday monsterbashnews.com is where, you know, every morning I'm changing all the new stuff that's coming in, whether it's product, whether it's information about the show, whether it's just fun Monster Kid stuff that people have sent me. It changes every day, monsterbashnews.com. And again, links in the show notes. I think I've got Monster Bash in our permalinks section on the website. If I don't, I, I need to correct that right now uh, because I'm just such a big fan and supporter of what you do. And I'm honored and I'm flattered that Monster Kid Radio is going to be there and have a table. And, and I appreciate you embracing what I do because I sure as heck embrace what you do, man. Oh, you're holding the torch for the Monster Kids, that's for sure. <laughs> And everyone appreciates it. That's uh, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's happening on, uh, let's see, it's a Thursday, Friday, well, late Thursday night, typically you're running movies, but the show itself kicks off Friday. Then Friday morning, 9 o'clock, yeah. Running nonstop. There are movies playing all the time. The, the vendor rooms, the guests, the you know, autographs are not too expensive to get an autograph, which is also really nice uh, that the prices are reasonable. I, I, I just, I can't recommend the show enough. And be prepared to sleep all day Monday uh, because it, it is like three days that becomes one really long day. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and you, there's very little sleep involved at Monster Bash but <laughs> because there's so much going on right into deep into the night and starting early every morning. I'm My feet are already aching thinking about it, which is another reason why I'm glad I have a table because that means when I have a chair and I can sit down every once in a while. <laughs> All right. It'll be a blast, Ron. Thanks for making this happen. I know we had some technical difficulties at the beginning, but we beat them. And uh, yeah. They will not stop us. That's right. <laughs> May this be the last technical difficulty any of us have before Monster Bash, right? All right. I think so. That's, that's, it's Bash straight ahead. Bash straight ahead now. So, all right. Thank you so much, Derek. Really appreciate it. You heard the man, creepyclassics.com or monsterbashnews.com. That's where you're going to want to go to find out about all things Monster Bash related. Ron, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to make this happen. We kind of referenced it at the end of our conversation, but listeners, Skype really got in our way this time around. So I ended up just having Ron call me and I recorded the conversation that way. Big thanks to Ron for being patient with my technology issues. I'm so glad the conversation turned out the way that it did. And I, I I think it was a good one. A really good one. I can't wait to see you, Ron, in person at this year's Monster Bash later in June. A couple of things that he mentioned that I mentioned that I want to mention again. The Classic 5 card game. I now have a prototype of that deck made up here, at least the first 25 cards of it. I'm very, very happy with how it turned out. So I will have actual decks of the Classic 5 game available at Monster Bash at the tables that we're going to have set up. We're going to have two six-foot tables right there near registration. Not going to be able to miss me. I would love to meet you. I would love to play a round of the Classic 5 with you. Yeah, you. We'll be doing some, I guess, they call them game demos. I don't know. We'll be playing the Classic 5. I'll probably be recording it for an upcoming episode of Monster Kid Radio. And I will have decks available for sale as well as expansion decks and maybe even a Monster Bash exclusive. So we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get closer 
to the bash. I'll probably talk about it on Facebook as well. Now, I know I got a little inside baseball or, uh, you know, remember when kind of conversation when Ron and I were talking about last year's bash, referencing things that, well, if you weren't at last year's bash, you don't know about. You weren't there. You didn't get to hear it. I still have recordings from last year's Monster Bash, including the chat that Gary Conway and Gary Clark had on stage. I'll put that into the feed here in the near future. Stay tuned for that so you get to hear what we were talking about. It's a lot of fun. How to Make a Monster is a great film. And to hear those two go back and forth, man, it was stellar. We talked about That's Terry Riffick. She's got a Facebook page. Just look up That's Terry Riffick and you'll find her right there. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Terry's great. I can't wait to run into her again at this year's Monster Bash. And, you know, if you want to maybe place a special order or two, go to her Facebook page and she'll hook you up. And finally... The Festival of the New Wine Song. I think I've played it on the podcast before. I'm going to play it again right now. Don't answer it. 
Don't answer it. Don't answer it. Your name is in this book. It could happen to you. It starts as a game. And there's no end in fright. Go ahead. Close your eyes and pick a name. Pick a name. Any name. I saw what you did. And I know who you are. I saw what you did. I know who you are. and the terror mounts. Don't answer it. See it. How often has this happened to you? You're on your way home after a long day when suddenly tragedy strikes. No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. It's the kind of thing which can ruin your weekend. To prevent catastrophe, you need the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack. This book features extensively researched methods to help you survive a giant monster event. You'll discover which vehicle you should use for making your escape, which method of counterattack is best for specific types of monsters. Hydrogen weapons, capable of wiping cities, countries off the face of the earth, are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies. And what common mistakes people make while fighting back. So pick up your copy of The Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack by Anthony Wendell today on Amazon. You can thank us by surviving. I am Sir George, possessor of a magic sword. By its powers, I will lead you on the seven great adventures, each one mightier than the others. Together we will go where no man has ever gone, into the land of terror itself, where the Superman of evil is king. Let no man face my seven curses and reach the dragon's lair. Together we will dare the demons of the green flame. See the white-hot face of the fiery rock. Enter the mammoth cave that closes behind you, where humans are trapped and tombed. Brave the volcanic inferno of the boiling crater. See the miracle of the magic sword. Battle the gigantic ogre. Gaze into the magic pool. See the enchanted beauty enslaved by the master of the black arts. Meet Sybil, the weirdest witch who ever brewed up a cauldron of spells. I wonder what Sybil's cooking up. Riches of Hecate, black oven black, demons of shame, flesh on the rack. See the attempted rescue from the sorcerer's castle. See the terrors of the dungeon torture chamber. 
See the terrifying fate of the shrunken people cast under an evil spell by Lodak, greatest magician of them all. See the two-headed dragon of Lodak that no mortal ever faced and lived. You will be thrilled to the hilt by the magic sword, none like it since the world began. A 2,000-year-old legend Hollywood waited until now to tell. The Magic Sword. slowly making some changes to the website over at monsterkidradio.net. Most of it's all behind the scenes, so you're not going to see a lot of it on the front-facing side of things. However, if you go over there and you look just beneath that graphic, that incredible banner artwork that was done by Shelby Denham, I've got a few different options, and one of them is the annual Monster Poll 2018. This is the poll that I'm talking about. Just click on that. You'll be taken to a Google survey where we're asking you to tell us what your 20 favorite monster movies are in no particular order. What is a monster movie? Well, you get to decide. I referenced this a little bit on the poll itself. Dracula, Frankenstein, those are monster movies. But what about Psycho? What about the birds? Are they monster movies? Well, if they are to you, write them down in the poll. We're asking you to submit your completed poll by May 15th. Please, only one completed poll per person. We're going to tally all of these answers, and we're going to make the poll results available to people at Monster Bash and then here at Monster Kid Radio as well the same week of Monster Bash. So even if you're not at the Bash, you'll still get to find out what the results of the poll were. If this is a success, we're going to do this every year just to kind of see how tastes change. We're also going to ask you to include some basic demographic information, male, female, and basic age. I'm not asking for a specific, just a range uh, like 21 to 30, 31 to 40, and so on. As a bonus, bonus round this year, what are your five favorite Vincent Price films? Again, same rules, no specific order. And for the Vincent Price films, we're not saying that it has to be a quote-unquote classic. For the purposes of the poll, for the favorite monster movies, we're saying anything through the end of 1967, since 1968 was kind of a, a watershed, paradigm-shifty kind of year for the horror genre. We're saying anything through the end of 67 for that. But for the Vincent Price films, you can pick anything. As long as he was in the movie, it doesn't matter when it came out. Real easy to fill out the poll. Just hit submit when you're done, and that's it. You're done. And like I said, we'll announce the results of this poll towards the end of June. Preacher with the Atom Brain. A motion picture shot full of thrills based on scientific facts described in leading national magazines. You'll be hypnotized. You'll be terrorized. You'll be paralyzed. See a dead man come from beyond the grave. See Columbia Pictures startling... Preacher with the Atom Brain. Hey, Satch, will you stop clowning around and... You idiot, I'm gonna give it to you in a minute. Did you call? Yeah, we... Bowery boys become spook chasers, moving to the country to pad down in a creep joint that's crawling with creeps. Blinky, you need a shave. And a manicure. 
Yes, the Bowery Boys are boning up on skeletons in the closet. The spirits are willing to play until the boys uncover the hidden treasure in the dead gangster's hideaway. Hey, spread out, you guys. If there is some more money, let's find it. That's a good idea! I don't want no trouble with these jokers unless they ask for it. All I want to do is find the rest of the dough and get out of here. Oh, my God! It's too if I know it was you, I wouldn't have hit you so hard. Okay, bright boy. Pick it up. Well, as long as you're that polite. It's a hustle and a bustle and a tussle between the guys, the goons, and the ghosts right in the crazy middle of a haunted house. Monster Kid Radio's 200 Years of Frankenstein continues this week, and as I think about it, as I've been trying to figure out what we're going to talk about this week as we talk about the Hammer Frankenstein movies, I'm starting to realize this is less about Monster Kid Radio's look at Frankenstein over the years. It's more about me. I've been trying to make it a little bit more personalized, whether I meant to or not, and I'd like to share with you how I first discovered Hammer films to begin with, and Frankenstein was really a big part of that. And I've told this story before on other podcasts, but it's been a while and might have some new listeners. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief in case you have heard the story, but the bottom line is, as I was working at a Blockbuster video years ago when I lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming, which is where I went to high school, and what else is a film geek going to do for a job when he gets out of high school? Well, I worked at a video store. And at this blockbuster, it was known that I liked the classic horror movies, the Universal films. Well, we were doing some sort of an event. I don't remember what it was, but a DJ came in to cover the event for his radio station. I wish I could remember the guy's name. I can't. But he came in and he found out that I was a horror guy. And we ended up talking about classic horror and Universal horror. Then he mentioned Hammer films. And I was clueless. I had no idea what he was talking about. And he's like, dude, I've got something for you. He went home came back with a couple of VHS tapes and told me these are all of the Hammer, Dracula movies, and Frankenstein movies in order. They were recorded off television or who knows what. They were in that EP or SLP speed, so he had like four or five movies crammed onto one tape. wasn't the best quality, but I didn't care. It was VHS of some classic monster movies I'd never even heard of. I knew who Peter Cushing was. I was a Star Wars kid, so I, I kind of knew who he was, but other than that, I just I was clueless. I started watching these movies, and I mainlined them over the course of just a few days, just back to back to back, watching them in order. And that's why I always feel like if you try hard enough, you can make the Frankenstein movies work headcanon wise as an actual series horror Frankenstein aside, of course, that you can find links and, and kind of make them a series, even though officially they're not. There's a few things here and there that just don't make sense continuity wise. I, I can kind of make it happen just because I watched the movies back to back to back when I first discovered them. And of course, I've watched them since over and over and over again, sometimes for the 1951 Downplace podcast that I produced with Scott Morris and sometimes just for fun, because these movies, just like the Universal Monster movies, are comfort food to me. Frankenstein, the name stands for fear. Frankenstein, 
He shocks the world as he mocks the devil. Frankenstein. He creates monsters of men. I love the Universal Monster movies. Adore them. They're part of my DNA. If I had to pick one studio, one genre, if I could only have one quote-unquote flavor of classic horror, I'd go with Universal just because that's where my loyalties are. But it would be really hard to keep Hammer out of the mix. I love Hammer as well because when Hammer is firing on all cylinders, man... They're firing on all cylinders. It's great. And Peter Cushing is a big part of this. Now, obviously, Peter Cushing played more than Dr. Frankenstein for Hammer Films, but his Dr. Frankenstein is definitive, is the icon. Colin Clive did some amazing work. He's an underrated actor, and I wish he did more genre cinema, even though he didn't really like doing it. He's amazing in the first two Universal Frankenstein movies. But for my money, toe-to-toe, head-to-head, I'm on Team Peter Cushing. I loved what he did with the character. In the year 1860, I, Baron Frankenstein, was sentenced to death on the guillotine. Why? Why had the world condemned me? Because I was the first man to create another living being. The first unnatural man, but because his brain was affected, because he could not control his animal instincts, he was hunted down and brutally murdered. But I have escaped the guillotine, and I shall avenge the death of my creation. Before he could do anything with the character, however, obviously Hammer has to get their hands on the Frankenstein story. Funny story how that worked. You see, Hammer didn't come up with it in-house originally. A couple of guys by the name of Milton Sabotsky and Max Rosenberg, who are a couple of Americans, actually ended up approaching Hammer about doing a version of Frankenstein. Hammer turned them down. Now, they would go off and have a little success with a little studio called Amicus, which is a whole another story but the idea of frankenstein stuck in the hammer heads minds and they decided to go ahead and make a frankenstein movie just not use the sabotsky rosenberg treatment instead they turned to jimmy sangster and said here you write a frankenstein movie now this is early in sangster's career as a screenwriter but he'd been around he'd been working for hammer and he knew how to keep costs down on set and that was the idea let's make this movie cheap and And it's going to be very different than the Universal movies. The Universal monster, it cannot look anything like that. Universal's going to find out we're making a Frankenstein movie. They're going to send their lawyers after us. So we have to make sure it's completely separate and different. And I think this is probably why the Doctor becomes such a fascinating character in the Hammer films, Frankenstein stories. The true monster here isn't the creature, isn't the Christopher Lee or any of the other actors or actress who played the creatures that Frankenstein created. The true monster here is Dr. Frankenstein himself. Peter Cushing infuses such malice, such disdain for the human condition, yet still wanting to rise above it, into this character and and just makes him iconic. More than a hundred years ago, in a mountain village in Switzerland, lived a man whose strange experiments with the dead have since become a legend. A legend that is still told with horror the world over.
only just started, just opened the door. Look, now's the time to go through that door and find what lies beyond it. But don't you see, Paul? We've discovered the source of life itself, and we've used it to restore a creature that was dead. This is Frankenstein, who revolted against nature, who experimented with the devil and was forever cursed. His unwilling collaborator was Paul Kremp. I can't prove you murdered, but I can stop you using his brain. Why, he has no further use for it? Don't be a Be careful! Go damn it! Only two women ever entered this house of evil. Elizabeth, come back! Elizabeth, the lovely cousin who had promised to marry him, and Justine, the maid, who kept passionate and secret rendezvous with her master. Won't you understand you're in real danger? What Victor is doing is dangerous to everyone in the house. Now, you cannot possibly conceive what dreadful thing he's planning to do. What are you trying to tell me, Paul? That Victor's wicked? Insane? Wicked? Insane? Evil? Call Frankenstein what you will. A demon had made a man-made monster. And now, the monster was the master. Paul, what are you going to do? For your sake and to protect Elizabeth, I've so far kept silent. But now I shall go to the authorities and have them destroy that creature. And see that you pay for these atrocities. No! Pierce Fisher was the director of five of the seven Frankenstein movies that Hammer did. And he said this about the Dr. Frankenstein character. He is either an atheist who doesn't believe in God and believes he can really create man better than God ever has, or he is a deep religionist who sold his soul to the devil, forsaking the fundamental religious belief that God creates man. I think that's a fascinating way to look at this character. He really does feel like he feels like he's better than anybody else, that he's in ultimate control, not just of the people around him. And this is very evident in the first film with the affair that he's having with the help, with the maid. He's in control of that situation. He's in control of his relationships there, his relations with the people around him. Yet he also wants to be in control of life itself, not death, but I'd say life itself by creating life. And if it doesn't work out, well, you know, we just scrap what we were working on and start over. He's very single-minded in this way. And again, I am just drawn to this character. I love that Revenge of Frankenstein picks up immediately after The Curse of Frankenstein that you end up with this continuation here. And I think that's what makes it easier for me to link all these movies together in a true serialized series. And I love the other Frankenstein movies too. I mean, Evil of Frankenstein is great. Frankenstein created woman. Very, very cool. I even like Frankenstein and the monster from hell. It's got some very interesting and neat sequences in it. But Curse of Frankenstein, I think, is the most iconic of these, partly because it's the first and because it's also got Christopher Lee in the cast. Christopher Lee as the monster, or as Hammer would call him, the creature, again, probably trying to get away from the universal way of doing things. And to stay away from the universal way of doing things, the monster or the creature looks oh so different. Christopher Lee himself wasn't a big fan of how he looked, probably because it obscured his face, and he claims, or he said, that Karloff himself once said to him that an actor must never be faceless even when that face is obscured by bandages. And I think you start to see some of, I don't know, people call it mime-like, the physical acting, the body motion, the body acting of what Lee is doing done up as a creature. I think you'll probably see it more on display in The Mummy, but you got to start somewhere. And the creature, the Frankenstein's creature, is an iconic 
image. I know, especially in the day and age of Blu-ray, and there's an amazing Blu-ray of this out there, you can really see the seams. You can see the makeup, the mortician's wax, the plastic all over his face, but, you know, it's the overall effect that still looks amazing, even if somebody ultimately wrote that uh, Chris Frilly looked like a road accident. I actually find that kind of amusing because in I Was a Teenage Frankenstein, that's exactly where some of the body parts come from, but I'm getting ahead of myself. A couple of the other things that the Hammer films got right. The image of a body being suspended in a tank, a lifeless body, a monster being suspended in a tank, mad scientist style. While it may not have originated with the Frankenstein movies, even though some sources seem to claim that it did, Hammer really popularized this. If you look at any of the films, especially earlier in the series, you'll see body parts or even just a full-on body like in The Revenge of Frankenstein suspended in a tank. And again, this is an iconic image. You get that, that Frankenstein element added to the mythos because of what Hammer was doing. And something else that set the Frankenstein movies apart from the Universal Pictures was, well, the gore. And I think People know that Hammer is really kind of known for bringing a lot of that gore to the horror film, even if sometimes it didn't look very realistic. It, it's there. It's a stylistic choice, and the effect is still just as solid. So you get some of that as well, and you get some of the scars and the scarring that, again, just makes its way into that Frankenstein mythos. You get the incredible music. Now, the music from the Hammer films by itself is fantastic. I think it's got a certain flavor that is associated directly with Hammer, just like the music from Universal is clearly Universal. I can't hear that music without thinking of Hammer, even if it's from a Hammer film that I've not seen, and there, there aren't very many of those left. I can identify it as, hey, that's Hammer film music right there. So the music is also stellar. What I find very interesting about the Hammer films, and I want to end on this note, the Frankenstein films from Hammer, they really worked to make sure that their medical science was just a little ahead of what we were seeing at the time. I mean, the earlier films in the 50s in particular, they tried real hard, even if the movies were set in the past, to make the medical science feel like it might be a little bit more advanced than what they had modern day. And what I find fascinating is that eventually we would start to see real medical science involving the transplantation of organs. And sometimes the resulting scars looked a little bit like what we saw in the Frankenstein movies. I don't know if that's just forward thinking. I don't know if that's just a happy accident, but it's interesting to me nonetheless. Here's another quote from Peter Cushing. The strange thing is that when we first started these films back in 1956, everything that Frankenstein got up to was pretty impossible. But now Dr. Barnard, who was the doctor who performed the world's first heart transplant surgery, has caught up. Cushing would add, he hasn't gone quite as far as me, though, because I've transplanted brains. If you haven't seen any of the Hammer Frankenstein films, I, I can't recommend them enough. Even something like Horror of Frankenstein, which was an attempt to kind of reboot that series that didn't really take off. It's got some darkly comic elements in it that the first time I saw it, I didn't really like it all that much, but I did kind of warm up to it eventually. Also, there was a TV pilot in 1958 that was a co-production between Hammer Films and Columbia, where they were going to do a series called Tales of Frankenstein. The pilot has turned up in various public domain DVD box sets, so you can get your hands on it pretty easily. I believe you can also find it online. It's also interesting, but Anton Drifring is, is no 
Baron Frankenstein compared to Peter Cushing. But if you are curious as to what would have happened if Universal and Hammer worked on something together, that might be something to check out because Kurt Siodmuk of The Wolfman and a whole bunch of other Universal horror movie fame directed that pilot. like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler. Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights into some of your favorite movies? If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom. So tune in to B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. The sound you hear is dripping blood. This is the start of Black Sunday. Black Sunday comes but once every hundred years. On that day, the undead demons of hell rise to unleash an orgy of evil on the world. From Nikolaj Gogol's great classic, American International Pictures presents Black Sunday, the most frightening motion picture you have ever seen. She was murdered 500 years ago. There in the barren waste that was her cemetery, they nailed the mask of Satan to her face. Not since Dracula stalked the earth has there been such an unspeakable day and night as Black Sunday. Nothing can stop it. The Blob. Starring Steve McQueen. It creeps. It crawls. It's slithery. It's slimy. The Blob. Plus Dinosaurus, both in shrieking color. Like I said at the top of the show, I have some feedback. This came in a couple of weeks back, and my wife and I sat down to record it and, and talk about it, but just ran out of time, didn't get a chance to include it all last week, so you're going to get some of it this week as well. So here is my wife, Brenda, reading some email. You want to keep going? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. This is from Billy D. from Pennsylvania. Hey, Derek. Hey, Billy. <laughs> I just wanted to send you an email to let you know how much I enjoy your show. My podcast listening was so far behind, I just started listening to recent episodes, and I'm working my way backwards. The Black Room show, as well as the Psychopath show with Dr. D- 
That's not his name. It's okay. I screwed up his name, too. Remember I called him Larry Underwoman instead of Underwood? <laughs> God, I still can't believe I made that goof. Man. <laughs> it's like the underdog Wonder Woman. I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> All right. The Black Room show, as well as the Psychopath show with Dr. Gangrene, were both great. The Black Room is a film I haven't seen yet, but will be viewing very soon, as I'm a huge Karloff fan. He's on my Mount Rushmore of horror icons, along with Cushing, Lee, and Price. Huh. What's your Mount Rushmore? That's a really cool list. I mean, I always say I have the three patron saints of Monster Kid Radio, so would those three have to go on the Mount Rushmore? The Ghosty, Karloff, and John Agar? Probably, although I guess you could have the patron saints and Mount Rushmore. I don't know who the fourth would be because I always say I've got the three and then I've got like a whole bunch of others underneath them. You know, Vincent Price, Lon Chaney Jr., Evelyn Anchors. Yeah, I don't I don't know who my fourth would be, hmm. but I like the idea of a Mount Rushmore of horror and I would love to. You know, I have a Mount Rushmore of horror um, where I don't know where it is, but. Remember years ago, there was that toy store in the mall downtown, and for whatever reason, they had like that paperweight from Universal, and it had Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman. Mummy? Yeah, it was the mummy done up as Mount Rushmore. Oh. I remember that, yeah. I don't know. I Listeners, who would be on your Mount Rushmore for? I want to hear this. I want to either see it on Facebook or have you call it in or write it in. That'd be awesome. All right. So... I did watch Psychopath and thought it was pretty good. The Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake show was another great one. I love that movie, and it's one of the few that occupies space on my iPad so I can watch it anytime. Wow. Yeah. Dracula's Daughter is a film I've seen, but not in a very long time. I'll have to revisit that one soon. Enjoyable show with Jim Beard. It just makes me smile because I know how much you enjoyed that. <laughs> It was awesome to hear you and Scott talk about Attack of the Giant Leeches, which you just got a leech, right? Or you have a leech coming? Yes. Yeah, from Dominique. She's she's making leeches. And uh, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, the website address I'll mention at the very end of the show, and there'll be a link in the show notes. You can order them now from our Etsy shop. It's awesome. Yeah. Although, I, so I saw Scott's, and my favorite is still the Tingler. You like the Tingler? Uh-huh. Yeah. The tingler's pretty dope. I like that he can clip onto the curtains next to your computer. No, he's supposed to clip onto your back, because that's where the tingler yeah, attaches yeah. on the movie. Yeah. I even tried to figure out how to attach it on the back of your chair that day I cleaned <laughs> up your desk. But then you wouldn't get to see it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so there. Okay. I'm really missing the 1951 show. I think I saw an episode dropped recently, so I'll be listening this week. Caltiki, It, The Terror from Beyond Space, another flick on my iPad, were two more shows I recently listened to and loved. It was cool hearing Rich Chamberlain on the night of the Big Heat episode. I love that film, oh, es wow. especially the tension between Patrick Allen, who was also awesome in Captain Clegg, his wife, and his mistress. Well, yeah, I guess that's some natural tension. That's, that's going way back, too, to, to the Night of the Big Heat episode. That's a good episode. Then add in the surprise deaths, and by the end of the film, you've got quite a movie. Well, that's all for now, but I'll definitely keep in touch. Keep up the awesome shows, and you're doing a fantastic job. Billy D. Lots of cool stuff there. You know, my favorite part of the show is having different people on. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't had Rich on in a while, and at one point, he and I started talking about a particular uh, Mexican monster movie. Yeah. To come on, and then... I, 
think we just both got busy with life, but I do need to have him back on. He's got a lot of awesome life happening. He's got a lot of awesome life happening. And I'm happy for him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, uh, that's some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, Did you just slap your leg? I just slapped my leg. Like, yes. Hell yeah. That's, that's it's a like knee a slapper. self high five. <laughs> <laughs> high five, me. So what was some of the things he was mentioning? Oh, Psychopath, I believe, is now out on Blu-ray. Okay. Which you can get your hands on. And friend of the show who's been on the show, Troy Howarth, has an audio commentary on that. Oh. Which is really cool. Or some of the other things he mentioned. Uh, the Black Room. The such Black a great Room. film. Such a great film. Dracula's Daughter. Really cool. Attack of the Giant Leeches. Leeches. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Those giant sticky fruit. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, they look kind of horrific on the outside. Oh, man. Caltiki, It, The Terror from oh, Beyond Space. Oh, you mentioned Scott. I wanted to mention Scott. That's what I wanted to reference. Scott's going to be on the show here in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> you going to watch a show about horrible lychee? No, I don't think so. I, I don't want to say what it is yet, uh, but it will be a double feature. Uh, will feature at least one movie from the 70s, a science fiction film that will be kind of sort of relevant the week that it comes out. Mm. Kind of. And the movie we're doing a double feature with has one of the coolest movie posters I've ever seen. I just love it. So that'll be fun. Scott will be on the show here soon. <laughs> from Larry in Missouri, a vote for your wife. She's great on the show. Aww. That's the last one to end on that email. Aww. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. I appreciate it. All right. That's the email. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Is there anything we should... Discuss? Yeah. Um, I'm excited to watch some of the old Lost in Spaces. Yeah. Why don't we talk about that? Yeah. So, listener of the show, Scott B. Okay. Is awesome. He sent us some Lost cool stuff. in Space. Yeah, yeah, he sent us some cool movies. Yes. Um, some DVDs and such that I didn't have. But as a surprise, and I knew I knew they were coming because he asked me. He was like, do you have this? Do you have this or this? But he included, as a surprise, some really cool Lost in Space stuff, which I didn't realize that Brenda used to watch with her dad. And I've not really watched Lost in Space all that much. I've always been curious, and I've always wanted to kind of give it a real serious look-see. Is so, that because sometimes I run around with my arms flopping saying, danger, 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 Will Robinson? Which is one of the many reasons why I love being married <laughs> to you. Um, but yeah, we got like a model kit and some little uh, Johnny Lightning, I, I guess, miniature cars and such. They're really cool. I really like them. Yes. But possibly I was more excited. Yeah, she was very excited. When we opened up the season one of the DVDs. Wow, that that's awesome. So I'm looking forward to watching some of these with you, Bren. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that John Williams did the theme music to that? Mm-mm. The guy who did Star Wars and Annie and Jones and all that? No, I yeah. didn't. He was credited as Johnny Williams back then. <laughs> so, so Johnny Williams did the music for Lost in Space. I'm pretty sure he did the theme. I know he did some of the other music, but... It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it, especially since there's a new show right. on Netflix, which mixed feelings about for me. Oh, I think I saw. Isn't there an episode out already? Is it already out? Maybe it's just that they released it for reviewers. Maybe. Maybe. But I've been reading some things about it. Are you excited? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. But I kind of want to visit the old ones first. And I hope I'm not disappointed. 
I was pretty young when we watched these. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to them one way or the other. Like I said, I, I have some experience with them, but very, not a lot. Mm-hmm. I've always liked the production design, though, and I, I love the robot design. I just love the robot. The, the robot, it was a, the robot B9 is so cool. And the kid was an important part of the story. Yeah. 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 And if I remember right, I, I believe the first season is a little more serious than it, get a little, it gets a little more kid-friendly the later you go. I don't think that was because my dad was taking me to the Star Trek movies right. as young as I could remember. Sure. So I don't know that that would have deterred me. I loved anything my dad loved. Well, my I- dad liked to eat lemons, and so I ate lemons. It's one of my earliest memories. <laughs> and if dad liked them, I liked them. And then they got me a t-shirt with a lemon on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have your dad to thank for digging the Lost in Space stuff? Yes, and Star Trek. Right on. And lemons. Well, okay. I make lime water sometimes. It's so good. Lime water? Just limes. Squeeze some limes in water. That's not a lemon. I know, but it's also sour. Not exactly. I mean, not the same. It's not the same, but I don't want lemon water for some reason. It's never as satisfying. What about lemonade? (sighs) I'm trying to figure out a way to get out of this so we can wrap up. Oh. (laughs) Go make me some lemonade, woman. That what is work. wrong with that you? That doesn't work. What's wrong with you? I told you that doesn't work. Stop talking. Okay. No, wait. It's my podcast. I have to keep talking. Oh, stop talking. I have to talk. I have to. I'm going to take it over now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Who did the music this week? Um, A surf band. Where are they from? Um, Mexican surf band. Nope. Indiana. Nope. Florida. Nope. And they made surf music. Uh-huh. And then there were some classic monsters. Time for our classic five. <laughs> Derek. Oh, wait. Can you hear me shuffle? Oh, God. <laughs> what classic what monster is happening? movie should be turned into a musical? <gasps> what is that classic monster thing we saw as a musical? Young Frankenstein. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, the Mel Brooks Young Frankenstein musical. Mel Brooks wasn't here. It was a, you know, another cast. Yes, so you have to cross that off your list because it's already been done. Oh, you really want me to answer? Yeah. I want to see a musical version of Godzilla because that would be amazing. (laughs) That'd be cool. Yes. Godzilla, the musical. Twilight Zone or Outer Limits? Twilight Zone. Why? And uh, I'm not going to tell you why until Craig Beam is on the show here in a few weeks. Oh. Because he is uh, on the uh, commentary track. He did a commentary track for the new release of The Outer Limits on Blu-ray. Wow. Which is really cool. We're really playing the classic five, huh? All right. I'm trying to find ones that I'm interested in. Sorry. (laughs) Favorite black and white zombie movie? Black and white? Yes. This is your question. Why are you surprised? Well, that's true. There's not like a color one in there. Um, I guess I kind of am bound to say Night of the Living Dead, right? No. You are no longer bound. I love Night of the Living Dead. I really do. I have the Criterion. It looks amazing. It'll be on the holiday gift guide at the end of the year. It's it's, it's beautiful. But as I'm going to say in an upcoming YouTube video, I like my zombies with a little bit of mysticism and supernatural stuff. Mm. And okay. I, I think I'm going to go with White Zombie. Oh, wow. Yeah, the original. Okay. The very first feature-length zombie film starring my man, Bela. Awesome. What character from a classic monster movie would you like to hang out with for a day? 
Kay Lawrence, played by Julie Adams from Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> Should have seen that coming. What if you couldn't pick Kay Lawrence? I'm trying to think of any other characters Julie Adams play. Who else would I want to hang out with from a, a classic monster movie? Man, I always go to Kay Lawrence. Um, let's see. What's another one of my favorite films? Any of the um, people playing like the creature or? Well, this is a character, not a not an actor, a character. Oh, well, I'm so glad you corrected me. You know, the Richard Carlson character from the Magnetic Monster, I forget his name, but I like his kind of take charge attitude. And I'd want to join the OSI, the Office for Scientific Investigation with him. You That'd wanna, be fun. You don't want to hang out with Godzilla? Godzilla would stomp on me. Or eat me. Well, I feel like it's presumed in here that you'd be friends. Well, that's true. But he's unpredictable. Unless it's the musical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what character from a classic monster movie should host a late night talk show? Kay Kaiser from <laughs> You'll Find Out. That'd be awesome. I mean, he already has the radio background and it'd be a fun show to watch and listen to. Okay, pair up two monster movies into a great double feature. Those cards all have years on them. I don't want years. I just want your best, like, I'm making them my classic okay, card because this okay. is my show because you have to stop talking. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, you had to, yes. Okay, so double feature, two classic monster movies. Yeah. What, what kind of mood are we in? Are we looking for monster movies, creature features, specific monsters? What the fuck is the difference between monster movies and creature features? Well, monster movies kind of like the old thing. Cre- well, okay. Um, <laughs> Wait, is there really a difference? I don't know. Creature with the atom brain and... Uh, with the atom brain? Yeah. Okay, not the atomic brain. No. Okay. That would be the second film. Uh, the first film would be Revenge of the Zombies. And why in that order? Um, Revenge of the Zombies came out first. It's from the 40s. Mm-hmm. And the other one's from the 50s. And it's a little bit more fun, and you want to kind of go on a, a high note, I feel like. Mm. Whereas Revenge of the Zombies is still good. still good. It's just um, they're both proto romero brain style zombie stuff these films for the most part zombies before romero were all kind of supernatural voodoo something magical going on but every once in a while you'd see something about the brain being important to the zombies motivation Mm -hmm. um either you stop the brain and you stop the monster you control the brain that's what makes the zombie that sort of thing if you want to go straight up just 250s movies maybe invisible invaders no i didn't need 250s movies I just wanted any of them. So it's interesting to me because for a long time you had an anti-zombie knee-jerk reaction because you had spent so much time. I still do have the anti-knee-jerk. Anti-knee-jerk. What are you talking about? Is that like a knee-hug? Yes, yes. I said anti-zombie knee-jerk. I still do for things post-night. I mean, I still have a love uh, for like what Dawn of the Dead taught me and, and the others, but I still... I'm sorry, guys and gals. I still don't really enjoy or, or have an interest in the modern zombie stuff. You know, I'm playing this uh, video game, Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I. I love it, but you have such a knee-jerk reaction against it that you are kind of vehemently disinterested in it. I just don't understand parts of the premise. I love it because if you die, it's not life isn't cheap in the well, it is kind of cheap, but it's not like you get to come back as you. You come back as another survivor that's made it into this guy's safe house. I like that. I just don't understand the what the. And I'm sure because I haven't watched it, 
or played it, I'm missing part of the story. But if he's got all these people that he's waking up, why is he only doing it one at a time? I don't think he's waking them up. I think you just fast forward to, who knows, two months or two years down the road when another survivor makes it to him. Oh, uh, okay. And that makes a little more sense. And he's probably not a good guy. <laughs> I, I do like the concept that you, as the new player, the new character, excuse me, might find your old character zombified. I think yeah. that that's a neat idea. The first time I came across that, I was horrified because I had to put old me out of old me's misery. And I think that's neat. That's a neat idea. I just, you know, I've talked about this. And I actually talked a little bit about this earlier with Steve Sullivan that it just, there, there was a period there where things kind of got weird. I mean, I was dealing with my depression and things like that. And I just, I, I, I love that my, uh, my older zombie brought me so much amazing experiences. And the family was incredible. Amazing friends, amazing relationships. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But the media itself, I just really struggle with. Um, I don't, and and maybe it probably we probably should have ended it a lot earlier than we did. But that was very hard for you to process. Yeah. You really didn't want to. Well, it was a stop. journey, you know. And you know, I started up 1951 Downplays with Scott and Casey, so I could still have the podcasting outlet, right? And then eventually we started MKR, right. My grandfather passed away. That's and, right. And I don't know why that, like, it's not like I ever talked about zombie movies with grandpa. I, I don't know what the connection was, but him passing away had a weird effect on me in terms of whether or not I still enjoy some of the nihilistic stuff that you see in some of the modern zombie movies. Oh. I don't know why. Like, there's just something about it that, that impacted me. Huh. I and mean, he kind of was your father figure, right? For, for a long, Yeah. Yeah. And, hmm. I don't know, but it is what it is. Classic zombie stuff, I am totally down with. Mm-hmm. Creature of the Atom Brain, I love. It's Richard Denning. I love Richard Denning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's like my second favorite Richard from that era. <laughs> Sometimes he's my favorite, depending on what movie it is. Well. Can I go back to talking? Can I wrap up the show? I was just going to say, and that's all, folks. That's not how the show ends. Yeah, let me show you how it's done. If you'd like to send in some email to the show, you can do so by emailing monsterkidradio at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. Call in, write in, and I'll include you and your message in an upcoming episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks to my wife, Brenda, for pushing through and being involved in the feedback section this time around. I appreciate it, and I love having her voice in the mix. I also want to thank Ron Adams once again for being part of the show this week and for everything that he and his crew do at Monster Bash. I cannot wait for Monster Bash coming up. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to be there. I've got plans to record Monster Kid Radio there. I've got merch that we're going to have, like the Classic 5 deck. Question to you. How much would you expect to pay for a deck of Classic 5 cards? Would you be interested in buying one? I'm going to be bringing some. uh, Hopefully, I can sell a few and 
maybe afford the plane ticket home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, I would like to bring a few and, and see if people would be interested in buying it and playing it, of course. So let me know if you're interested in buying a deck of the Classic 5 cards and maybe any expansions. I'm thinking what will probably happen is I'll do a core deck and then I'll do the Kaiju deck, the Hammer deck, the Universal deck, and then the Monster Bash exclusive deck as well. So that's my plan right now. How many cards would you like to see in the core deck and, and what would you pay for it? Just, just curious. Would love for some input. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Chris McMillan and Dominic Lamses uh, for helping make it possible for me to see it came from outer space in 3D this past weekend. I did record some content there, both video and audio. I haven't reviewed either. I, I think it came out okay, though, and I, I had a blast. It was awesome to see the movie in 3D. A uh, special shout out to Dominique because she gave me a ride to the Hollywood Theater, and shout out to Chris because he saved our seats. Uh, I wouldn't have needed a ride or have my seat saved if not for the fact that I killed my car battery, and right before I left, I realized I had no way to get to the theater. So Dominique hooked a brother up. Chris hooked a brother up once I got there, and I even saw a friend of the show, Charles, in the audience after words. So it was good to run into him as well. That was so much fun. Listeners, if you ever have an opportunity to see a classic universal film, really any classic film in a theater setting, doesn't have to be 35 millimeter print, although that's a bonus. Take advantage of it because it's a blast to see these movies with a room full, a theater full of like-minded folks. If you head over to monsterkidradio.net, you're going to find everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes. Like I said, there's a link to the monster poll that we're going to be doing. So that's there. There's a link to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and our Twitter. So you can find us on various social media outlets as well. I'm trying to get more involved in the Twitter side of things, like I've said over the past few months. And of course, I'm always active on Facebook. If you are a Facebook user, please consider liking the page and joining the group. There will be a link to Victoria Price's book, in the show notes as well, if you want to pick that up. It's called The Way of Being Lost, and I've completed the book since I've chatted with Ron a couple weeks ago, and it's really good. There are some cool stories about Vincent Price, but it's really more about her, and I really enjoyed it and appreciate the opportunity to learn a little bit more about Victoria Price through her book, and I can't wait to see her again at Monster Bash later this year. And just for fun, there's going to be a link to That's Terrific, the Facebook page in the show notes, as well as a link to Dominique's House of Silent Graves. That's her Etsy store where you can pick up your very own Tingler, Giant Leech, and who knows what else she's got up in, on her page these days. But check that out as well. Next week on the show, I mentioned earlier, it's a fun time of year to be a Monster Kid. It's a fun time of year for me as the guy who produces Monster Kid Radio because we're announcing the ballot. For Monster Kid Radio's Monster Rally Retro Awards, or as we like to call them, the rallies. The ballot will be coming out and announced next week, and I'm going to be helped by Stephen D. Sullivan, old friend of the show, old friend of mine, and I can't wait for that. So we have another ballot for you to fill out, and this one's easy. The rallies honor the best in genre cinema when it comes to actor, actress, director, movie, and monster. And we do three years. We do the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Specifically this year, we're doing 34, 44, and 54. And the ballot is stacked. There's a lot of really good movies that come out in those years, and you'll get to hear all about it next week in episode 365. After that, I've got two more regular episodes of Monster Kid Radio lined up for April, and then May hits, and this year, Lucha de Mayo is back. Monster Kid Radio is going to do Luchador monster movies through the month of May, and uh, there's actually five Thursdays in May this year, so that means five weeks 
hopefully, of luchador monster movies. I say hopefully because I don't have all my slots filled up yet, but I can tell you that Frank Schildener will be here to talk about the Champions of Justice, and then a guy that you might know by the name of Dr. Tongue will be joining me as well to talk about a couple of different Santo monster movies. It's going to be a treat. I cannot wait. Between now and then, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Uno Taco Amigo. That belongs to the surf band Dos Tacos Amigos. It's their self-titled album that just came out at the end of March. You can find them at earhopper.bandcamp.com or follow the link in the show notes. Nine songs on this album. Every one of them's cool. This one is one of my favorites. Thanks to the band for letting us play their music here on the show. Thank you for listening. My name is Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao. Woo!